Let's open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32. Jacob was a special character in the history of the Old Testament church. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob being the patriarchal fathers of the church of God under the Old Testament. As you read last evening in Genesis chapter 28, the Lord appeared to him when he left his father and mother under the threat of Esau wanting to take his life and with the purpose of going to get himself a wife. He was about 77 years of age, but he made himself a pillar of stones. And the Lord appeared to him that night with a ladder above his head with angels ascending and descending, which is also said of the Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 1 and verse 51. And since all those angels are given to be our servants on this side of the cross, purchased by the Lord Jesus Christ, and as the sons of God, we can assume such a relationship that we have as well with them because we are the Lord's and uh, he is ours and he's with us and he makes our abode with us. And so we have angels around us as well. I hope that you appreciated what I sent in the preparatory email from the first two verses of Genesis 32. We often dive into the middle of this chapter where in the middle of this chapter, we are able to read about Jacob wrestling with an angel Here it's called a man. It's an angel. Hosea chapter 12, verses 3 through 5 tell us it's an angel. And this is one of the important things I hope that I will not have to spend much time with you today. When it says an angel, I'm this simple. It's an angel. I don't believe in Christophanies. I don't believe in theophanies. I believe in an angel, our created spirits, And though it may appear at times that they're being addressed as God, or God through them is addressing the person that they're meeting as God, it's because they are His representative speaking for Him. And it shouldn't... I don't want it to confuse you. You would not believe the heresies that come out of the matter that I've just alluded to. The Christophanies, Michael the Archangel being Jesus, Michael the Archangel is not the Lord Jesus Christ. When Michael the archangel was arguing with the devil about the burial of Moses, Jude chapter 1 verse 9, he said, the Lord rebuke thee. When Jesus met the devil in Matthew chapter 16, he said, get thee behind me, Satan. They are entirely different. He's called an archangel because he is an archangel and the archangel will accompany the Lord Jesus Christ when he descends from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel in 1 Thessalonians 4. But right here are two verses that should encourage us about these angels as we move into a study of them. Genesis 32, Jacob has just made peace with Laban. They've had a sacrifice and made a covenant with each other in the last 10 verses of chapter 31. Verse 1 of Genesis 32, And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's band. This is God's squad. This is God's platoon. This is God's host. The Lord sent him quite a few angels and he called the name of that place Mahanaim. But he saw the host of God 
And the Bible refers to our God, Jehovah, as the Lord of hosts. Jehovah of hosts. What a name. Lord of hosts in all caps, meaning Jehovah, I am that I am, of hosts, because the army of heaven is under his control. Nebuchadnezzar learned it the hard way. In Daniel chapter 4 and verse 35 when he said, after the Lord gave him his understanding back, he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. He's the Lord of hosts. He's the God of hosts. It's called the heavenly host. It's the host of heaven. It's a host because it's an army. You can look up every occurrence of the word host and you'll find the host of Israel referring to the army of Israel or the host of another nation referring to its army and we have a great army to defend us. There are so many nearly innumerable things that could be said today. But when you worry about the politics of our nation, and I remember as a boy studying the almanacs and going to the size of the armies for each nation on earth, especially the ones that we felt were a threat to us, the Soviet Union in those days, Red China, and so forth, reading about the number of tanks, the number of planes, the number of ICBMs they had, intercontinental ballistic missiles, and and submarines and aircraft carriers, reading about all that stuff and thinking to myself as a 10-year-old, 5-year-old, 12-year-old, okay, we're still, we still got an army. Oh, forget it all. Forget it. This is an army. This is the Lord's host. And the Lord's host gets involved in the affairs of this world and wins these wars one way or another. You know, we, us men have talked about the battle of Midway. And some angel tapped that poor Japanese admiral, and he made some horrible decisions in that conflict. Horrible! Horrible decisions. And they were to our advantage. And we can go through the events of history, and while we can't see the angel directly, we see God changing the affairs of nations just like He said He would, and He uses angels to accomplish it. But look at Jacob. Before he even communicates with Esau... Before he hears this news, <laughs> before he hears this news, verse 6, And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet thee, and four hundred men with him. Four hundred men with him. He's got eleven boys, and they're twelve years of age and under. He's got a huge nomadic estate. He's got four wives. And here comes Esau, who was a hunter and a mighty man of the woods and mighty man of hunting and a mighty man of valor coming with 400 men. But God had already met him to show him that those that are with us are more than those with them. It's a little saying that we never want to forget because it's what the little boy in the city of Dothan not, it doesn't say he was a little boy. It says the servant lad that was serving Elisha got to learn when he got up one morning and saw that the Syrians had surrounded Dothan. And Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes. Can we open our eyes today? There's a host. And those with us are more than those with them. And we should always believe that and never forget it. As I sent you yesterday in the preparatory email, there's a number of reasons why this particular sermon is coming here between the two epistles of Peter. I want to take a break. I want us to think of some things from the Word of God that might be a little lighter in some respects than things that we've been learning from First and Second Peter. 
But we've encountered angels there. They desire to look into our salvation, chapter 1. Jesus Christ is promoted over all of them, chapter 3. A fallen one of them is an adversary to our souls, chapter 5. And when we get to Second Peter, we're going to find out in chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. Well, verse 4 is going to tell us, those angels which didn't keep their first estate, God has them in chains unto everlasting destruction. But verses 10 through 12 will tell us that they... Angels do not bring a railing accusation against rulers on this planet, which is a, which is a lesson and it's given for us to learn from it. If angels respect the authority God gave to civil rulers, we ought to. Lord help us. If we speak and use railing accusations against them, because the angels don't. Several have had medical issues or were in the hospital recently. And I have reminded most of them, or all of them, because it's my habit to do so, that the angels were already assigned at a staff meeting that morning to come and deliver them. You say, well, what if I died on the operating table? Like I said, the angel of the Lord had already been assigned to come and deliver you. Let me tell you, a chariot ride out of that hospital room is better than any ride you took home. Because when you got home, you had more to do. But when you take the chariot ride, there's nothing left to do. Because the Bible says in Isaiah 57, 1 and 2, they shall rest in their beds and be at peace. And so that's why. Because uh, this motion right here is very important to me. And I want it to be very important to you, and I want it to be very important to all the children of this church. Whenever you're in trouble or you're scared... Whenever you're in the hospital or facing something that you don't know what's going to happen to you, I want you to remember this. That that morning there was a staff meeting in heaven and all the host of heaven stood before the living God and he said, who is going to take care of Sawyer today? And one angel comes up with this idea, I'm going to take care of Sawyer this way. Another angel offers his, they have a will, they have intelligence. And you can easily think of some ways that they could have got Ahab to battle other than the way that they did. Another angel makes a suggestion and the Lord says no to both those angels. And a third one says, I have an idea for taking care of Sawyer today. And the Lord says, it will work. I bless you in doing it and you'll prevail. Go take care of Sawyer. And it only takes them a few seconds to arrive from heaven to earth because they're faster than light. You know, light is only 176,000 miles per second. It can only circle the earth seven times in one second. That is slow compared to an angel because in Daniel chapter 9, while Daniel was praying, an angel came all the way from God to give him his answer. There's so many things in the Bible, I'll be preaching on it until June unless we limit ourselves in some manner. Sawyer, never forget... That, meet, that morning there was a meeting in heaven and God assigned an angel to come and deliver you just like God assigned an angel to come and be a lying spirit in the mouths of Ahab's 400 false prophets and be lying spirits and convince him to go to battle. Listen, why, did, why was there a war that day? Because God is in charge of the wars of this world. Those wars happen by the discretion of God and by His will. And he arranged that perfectly because Ahab wanted to believe a lie. God gave him a lie. 
in 1 Kings 22 and 2 Chronicles 18. And that brother in this church that's going to read the same event to us in the second assembly from 2 Chronicles 18, there's a reason why we're having it read to us twice. Can anyone think of that reason? It's in the Bible twice. That's not too complicated, is it? And I don't want you to forget this. We have a couple ladies with us today who were recently on in the hospital and facing some threats to their health. At least two. I see three now that I look around. You should come and greet me before I get started. <laughs> but the Lord was with them. I totally believe this. Amen. I totally believe this. I believe that there was an angel that directed a man that I know in Christ to find a wife, a job, and an IPO all at once. I know that when I returned home after playing the fool in 1973, the Lord directed a little girl to come with her father to the door of my home that day. I know that there's a brother that I know in Christ in this assembly that stood in a hall way at BMW. And angels directed a meeting there that shortly thereafter, forgive me brother, shortly thereafter, his associate's degree was leveraged into a quarter of a million dollars a year in salary as a contract programmer that BMW paid for. Praise the Lord! His angels are involved in all parts of our lives. You women, when you're giving birth and you wonder if anyone's with you, there's angels there with you. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear Him, and He delivereth them. I first learned that as a single-digit child. Let me lower that, or you'll think that I'm really paranoid. But as a little boy, five years old, living in a house, I would wake up in the middle of the night with bad dreams and be screaming for my mother. Poor Paul. Awoken out of his peaceful sleep, my mother would come in and she'd take me around the house with a flashlight and show me that there were no boogeymen in the house, no burglars, no kidnappers. Thank you, Dad, for teaching me about kidnapping at an early age. And then she would, then she would show over in the corner of our little tiny bedroom, I think they're over there. And she'd show me Psalm 34 and verse 7, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. And she'd pray with me and tell me to go to sleep, Johnny. And that would be it until the next time. But uh, my faith was small. My understanding was sparse. But the Lord is so good. And I, I love this subject because it exalts God. He made these creatures. He spoke them all into existence before Genesis 1-1. Because Job 38, when God speaks, He said to Job, let's, let's go there, Job 38, God told Job, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Because there's a particular group of creatures that began singing and praising Him when He did so. Job 38. And there's another brother in here that we have a little custom among us, between us, and we've had it for about, I don't know, 30 or 35 years, and that's to say that we love the smell of napalm in the morning. But uh, there's better things that we could say than that. 
and they have to do with the angels that bless business transactions. And we should be thankful for them. They've been with you all the days of your life. They've been with you between conception and birth. They've been with you when you first began to drive. You bruised more than one of them. I speak as a fool when I say that they get bruised. But they have protected us in so many different situations. Job chapter 38, verse 5. Let's get verse 4. I'm sorry. Anything for the glory of God is worth reading extra verses. Job 38, 4. And the Lord speaking here. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare, if thou hast understanding. This is God to Job. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. There's the angels, referenced by the term in this seventh verse, morning stars and sons of God shouted for joy because of the creative power and wisdom of God in laying the foundations of this world. They were created from the beginning, back there at the before Genesis 1, and they saw the creation of the heavens and the earth being laid by God. If God created them, assigned them to serve us, and spoke so much of them, they surely have value. The Word of God tells us that we should live by every word of God, and some of God's words are about the angels. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, used them in the wilderness, as I've already mentioned today, in Matthew 4.11, after the temptation by Satan himself, angels came and ministered unto him. If anyone thinks too lowly of the angels... You are self-righteously ignorant. You are not defending the glory of God by belittling angels. You are showing your ignorance of the Bible. Jesus, the Son of God, had them come and minister to Him. And praise God that we have that example of the ministration that they did for Him when Hebrews 1.14 tells us that they are all sent to be ministering spirits for us. So with the kind of comfort and the kind of encouragement and the kind of strengthening and protection and help and peace that they brought him, they are able to bring us. Have you ever gone to bed at night and woken up in the morning and been much more relieved? Have you ever gone to bed at night with a dilemma in your mind and received an answer during the night? Is the Lord able, is the Lord by his angels able to talk to you in a dream? Is Oh yes he is. Can he open your eyes and see something you hadn't seen before? You accountants ought to have Make sure that you're thankful for angels. Experience is wonderful, isn't it? To show us, show them to us. And to have studied a passage of scripture for 30 or 40 years and all of a sudden to look at it and say, why didn't I ever see that before? You know, it's just this little tap and opening, oh, and on and on it goes. And hopefully I'll be able to share some of those things with you from the word of God. In the garden of Gethsemane, an angel came and strengthened The Lord Jesus Christ, when He went into the garden, He was very heavy. When He went out of that garden, He went and found the angry mob and said, Who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. I am He. Let these go and take me. What happened to Him? An angel strengthened Him. You say, well, I thought He was greater. He is. 
That was in his humiliation on earth. He's now seated at the right hand of Almighty God and they all report to him. We want to provide comfort for those that are pained or troubled in life because angels will deliver you. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. We believe it. We want to provide courage by remembering they that are with us are more than they that are with them. From 2 Kings 6, we want to encourage to com- commitment to God, for the angels serve Him perfectly. Look at Psalm 103. Psalm 103. I know that Psalm 103 is in the top five or ten psalms for a number of you, but do you know that toward the end of it, it mentions the angels. Verse 20. Bless the Lord, ye His angels, that excel in strength, that do His commandments hearkening unto the voice of His Word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye His hosts, ye ministers of His, that do His pleasure. There's a two-verse description of angels and how they do the commandments of God. They hearken to God speaking to them. They do His pleasure. They excel in strength, and they're the angels. We want to be committed like they are. I want to encourage you in your confidence to serve God in Christ, for they are with us for our success. They are with us in all that we do for our success. The Lord is with us by their presence because they are the angels of His presence. Gabriel said, I am Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God, Zechariah. And for you questioning me, you'll now be dumb for the next nine months. In Luke chapter 1, we don't want to question them. We want to be thankful for them. We want to glorify God. But most of all, we want to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ as we think of a brother of ours. A brother of ours. Flesh and blood. The Lord Jesus of Nazareth. Born of Mary. Laid in a tomb. A body that rose from the dead. A body that levitated and rose up out of this atmosphere into the clouds. A physical body. Our brother. Our preeminent brother. He, he is not ashamed to call us brethren, and I am thankful to be able to return it to Him. He rules them all. He is far above all their thrones, their might and dominion, the principalities, powers, and authorities of the angelic ranks. And we are thankful that He is our Savior. Rather than the humanistic nonsense of Joel Osteen, let's preach the truth about angels today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. There's, you can't get yourself much lower than Hagar was. Thank you, Zach, for reminding everyone of, about Hagar before you read the first passage pertaining to her, that poor Egyptian, handmade, slave, pregnant, despised, rejected, fired and divorced. Lost and lonely. But the Lord was with her, with an angel of the Lord. Yes, I believe it was an angel of the Lord. Yep, no doubt to me at all. An angel of the Lord. You said, well, you say to me, well, she said, thou God seest me. Of course, God saw her. Because God had in his predestinating purpose that she was going to have a great nation come out of her and that he was going to take care of her and that she could go back. The message just got communicated by an angel. There shouldn't be a problem there. You know, there are those that say that any occurrence of the words, the angel of the Lord, are a theophany. 
then what do we do when the angel of the Lord talks about the Lord in the third person? As I'll show you before this is over, because I don't want you confused by this matter. Angels are a matter of faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. And the Apostle Paul writes this verse right here because he is describing the fact that we are going to get new bodies when we go to heaven. And you've never seen the new body that we're going to get, but we're going to get new bodies. We're going to get a new tabernacle to be clothed upon for our souls to have clothing or a tabernacle around it of a glorified body. And we walk by faith, not by sight. And Paul was, look what Paul would say. He uses the word confident in verse 6 in front of this verse, and he uses it in verse 8 after this verse, because if you walk by faith, you should have confidence. This is not just, I think there may be angels. There are absolutely angels, and we are confident in the matter, because we walk by faith in God's Word rather than anything we have or have not seen rather than anything that they've told us they have found with microscopes or telescopes. I don't care what they have or have not found. I know that the dumbest angel in God's host knows more than they know on both ends of that sight spectrum. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Paul Paul could say in verse 6, Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Verse 8, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Now Paul's talking about some metaphysical issues of having the soul leave the body. That is pretty serious business. But so are angels, because they don't have a corporeal body like ours. But we believe that they exist, and they're in this room today, and they're in the parking lot. And they're moving back and forth between heaven and earth. They know who's sleeping. They know who's dozing. They're trying to, they're provoking you. They're trying to convict you. They're going to help you. And we want to honor the fact that we have been elevated to the sons of God over them, but we do it all by faith. You know, if you look, if you're on that page of 2 Corinthians 5, 7, verse 18 of chapter 4, tells us, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Angels do not die. The Bible tells us that. We'll be like the angels when we get to heaven. We haven't seen them, but they last forever. Anything that you can lay your eyes on right now has a short, hot future. Because it's going to be destroyed. It's going to melt with fervent heat. And new things are coming. Men that live by their senses only are no better than brute beasts. Yet they're going to face God for their ignorance and their rebellion. Most men are so arrogantly ignorant that they deny God and His angels for absolute insanity. The the world that we live in today, they despise and ridicule a Creator and angels to defend a big bang and baboon mothers. Now, which one is the hardest fetch? That there's a creator, an intelligent designer with angels? Or that your grandmother was a baboon and there was a big bang that brought all of this into existence? They reject the Bible history for hallucinations of Confucius, Nostradamus, Darwin, and others. 
What ridiculous ignorance and arrogance and rebellion against God. They preach and sing deistic heresy that God watches from a distance, denying something that the Bible calls watchers. Nebuchadnezzar found out about the watchers because they found him one year after Daniel exhorted him to the lengthening of his tranquility. They found him boasting in his palace system of the greatness and the majesty of his kingdom. And the word fell from heaven that he was to be driven out from among men. They foolishly presumed planes, bombs, ships, missiles, submarines, and guns win wars. It's the prince of the United States, or the prince of the Soviet Union, or the prince of Germany, or the prince of Japan, that wins or doesn't win wars. Because Daniel chapter 10, verse 13, verse 21, describes angelic princes that are behind the governments of this world. And we believe that. You know, every time you read that we're cutting back on our nuclear weapons, and a couple of other nations in the world are increasing their nuclear weapons, because I'm no longer five, I hope that's been part of the change, 52 years later, I don't care anymore. You know, I believe in having a strong deterrent, and we can talk politically, but I want to talk spiritually and scripturally, God's on our side. And the host that's with Him is greater than any host on earth, and after all, how many angels would we need? against all the thermonuclear heat and weapons of the Soviet Union. How many would we need? Let's raise one index finger. We would just need one half. Do you believe that? 185,000 battle-hardened Assyrian soldiers in one night were all dead corpses in the morning. Praise the Lord. You know, today men would rather watch men run and jump with a ball than learn about angels and their power. What's the vertical jump of an angel? They get pretty excited about a 40-inch vertical jump of Michael Jordan and others. Somebody's going to want to raise their hand and correct me and say it was 42. And I'm going to say, thank you for making my point for me. What about the angels and their vertical jump? What do you think they could bench press? What can they do the 40 in if they can move from heaven to earth while a man's praying a short prayer? You wouldn't be able to time with a stopwatch, I can promise you that. You wouldn't know when to punch either button, start or finish. Lord, we're thankful. Faith in God's Word is absolutely necessary to have the evidence of these things. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Do we have the evidence that angels exist? We do. We have strong evidence that they exist. The Bible's filled with so much information about angels. There's about 300 occurrences of the word angel and angels. But that's just getting started. The word angel about 194 times. The word angels about 92 times. But that's just getting started with those 286 because angels in the Bible are also called these things. Hold on. Host. Host. Host of heaven. Heavenly host. Army of heaven. Sons of God, morning stars, living creatures, seraphims, cherubims, chariots of God, spirit, spirits, saints, watcher, watchers, man, men, holy ones, archangel, 
principalities, powers, authorities, thrones, might, dominion, man of God, etc., etc. There's a lot in the Bible about them. We don't want to be like the Sadducees. Look at Acts chapter 23. Do you know how easy it is to believe a heresy if God doesn't preserve you from it? If God doesn't send His angels to remind you to hold fast the Word of God that you've been taught? How could there be a religious sect of the Jews that denied the existence of angels and yet believed the Old Testament Scriptures? How can that happen? Anything can happen if God doesn't preserve us and we are not faithful. Lord, help us to be faithful. Acts chapter 23, verse 6. But when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope and resurrection of the dead. I am called in question. And when he had so said, there arose a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the multitude was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit. But the Pharisees confess both. Isn't that crazy? How could you be a Jew and have the Old Testament Scriptures and have them read in the synagogues and the temple every day, every Sabbath day, and not believe in angels? We believe in angels because the Bible tells us, and they certainly should have. But we don't want to intrude into things beyond our understanding. Look at Colossians chapter 2 with me. Colossians 2. There's a certain religious cult that likes to worship angels and worship saints and worship the spirits of departed men and worship the spirits of men that never even lived. And it's the Roman Catholic Church. And we have in Colossians 2.18 this warning, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. We aren't going to get puffed up, and we're not going to talk about things that are outside the Word of God that we haven't seen. We're going to talk about the things the Word of God tells us, and we're not going to worship angels. I turn to Psalm 131. Here's another warning for us, and it's a, it's good words to remember about how we want to limit our study of every subject to what the Word of God has revealed, because the secret things belong unto the Lord our God. Psalm 131 and verse 1. This is a wonderful verse to remember. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty, neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. So we're not going to try to figure out things the Bible hasn't revealed to us about angels, and we want to remember verses like that to keep us honest. Right. I'm, I'm thankful that we had read to us today 1 Kings chapter 22 because of that wonderful passage of the, of the host of heaven standing before the Lord God and Him determining with their assistance by offering ideas on how they would get Ahab to battle that day. I hope that you're thankful about reading Daniel chapter 4 and Nebuchadnezzar and how the angels and watchers came and put him in his proper place for seven years until he humbled himself before the great God and God's able to raise up kings and put down kings, raise up nations and put down nations. And he does so by the administration of angels. As New Testament Christians, 
We are coming to Mount Zion. Hebrews 12, 22 through 24, and unto an innumerable company of angels. In case you're thinking that the number is a hundred million, Paul called it an innumerable company of angels. Who knows how many there are? There's just a base number of a hundred million and millions and millions. It says in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 10, and it says in Revelation chapter 5, Paul just called them innumerable, but we've already come to them. It's not that we're going to go to them. This is exciting about our worship this morning. And, and I don't and ever intend to be foolish with the words. We are part of a mega church right. whose names are written in heaven. The book of life is the church role of the church of those in heaven already, the spirits of just men made perfect, and those that are on earth, and there are some yet to be born. But we are toward the end of time because God's time scale has run. And the Lord is coming soon. But we are already part, when it says that we have already come unto blood that speaketh better things than that of Abel, is that something we're looking forward to? Or is the blood of Christ already accounted to us? It's already accounted to us. Those angels are already in conjunction with us. They're just waiting for us to get rid of these things because we can't have these in heaven because they stink. They corrupt. we got to get rid of these. Death should be, when our minds are right and in the right place, a good thing because we get rid of these corrupting bodies. God will give us a new spiritual body that will be glorious. Called glorification. Oh, brethren, this huge number of angels that we are in close connection with. Children have angels. Matthew 18.10 When the apostles were trying to send some away that had brought little ones that believed on Jesus to Him for a blessing, He said, you better be careful with them. It'd be better if you tied a cement block around your neck and jumped into the Reedy River than to offend one of these little ones that believe on Me. Because there ain't... Matthew 18.10 Their angels, I want you to see it, certain verses are worth remembering. Their angels do always behold my Father's face in heaven. Matthew 18.10 Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. You mess with one of those little ones, those angels that are always beholding God's face are going to report what you've done about those little ones. I hope that the young children in this church that are not yet baptized, and that's a wider age span than it's ever been before in our church, that you all love them and care for them and encourage them and help them when you have opportunity. Because these were little ones that believed on Him. That's a pretty scary verse. Especially when around it is, just get a cement block and take care of it because you got a problem. You know, the words guardian angel aren't in the Bible, but what better verse do you need than a verse like this? Right. The word Trinity isn't in the Bible either, and neither is the word incarnation. So why do we believe in the incarnate sonship of Jesus Christ? Because we know what we mean by that, and right here we have it. This I love this verse right here because the Lord, the Lord understands everything, and when He is taking care of little ones that believe on Him, you know, a patriarch of a family, do you think there's angels taking care of him? Can we reason from the lesser to the greater? Absolutely. Absolutely. I just love a verse like this. Just mull- just looking at it and meditating on it. Take heed. You better be careful. 
that you despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Thank you, Lord. And you know what? The angels are going to come and get us and carry us home. Swing low, sweet chariot. The problem is, we live in America in 2015 and we think it's pretty sweet right now. You know who put together that little Negro spiritual, don't you? Swing low, sweet chariot. Those that wanted a chariot to come and get them and deliver them from a lot of oppression in some cases. Who was carried to heaven by the angels? Do we have two witnesses on the matter? Elijah and Lazarus. Two witnesses. Wonderful. What did the chariot look like when it came for Elijah? Because Elisha saw it. A chariot of fire and horses of fire. And what did Elisha scream out? The chariots and horsemen of Israel! Because that was the army of Israel. That Elisha was going to show the little boy four chapters later in 2 Kings 6. Angels came and carried Lazarus into Abraham's bosom. Into the fellowship of Abraham. Because if there was one man the Jews knew was in heaven, who was it? Abraham. And where was Lazarus the beggar? In the bosom of Abraham. Oh Lord, thank you for all that you've told us. God is called the Lord of hosts in the Bible. 235 times He's the Lord of hosts. 39 times He's the God of hosts. And so forth. Look at Proverbs 24.10. The Bible is just filled with these references. Proverbs 24.10. Let's see if Solomon knew about him. I don't want Proverbs 24.10. That should be Psalm 24.10. Psalm 24.10. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. There's an example of the near 300 times of our God, Almighty God, Jehovah, the Lord Jehovah, being described as the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, of hosts, because He's got the armies of heaven at His discretion. And it's a wonderful title for Him. The Lord wants us to think militarily. It's not the word I want, but uh, I'll cheat for the moment. The Lord wants us to think in military terms because He uses so many of them. And And we know that the army is the source of strength for a nation, and the army is to preserve peace both domestically and in foreign affairs of a nation. And we've got these armies around us, and He's the Lord of hosts, and He sends them to protect us. And when I make reference to you, or you find in your reading in Psalm 27 and verse 5, about the pavilion of the Lord. A pavilion is that large tent in the center of a sitting army, of of an army encamped in the field where the Lord is. And He puts you in the secret part of His pavilion, of His tabernacle. Psalm 27 and verse 5, and stretched into the distance as far as I can see, and then a whole lot further, are all the angels of heaven. And you're there in the center with the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Who in the world can get near you? You want to talk about bodyguards? You think the the secret service is tough? You think they're ready to lay down their lives? What about angels that don't have a life to lay down? They only help others lay down their lives. 
The strongest and mightiest of the angels, the chief of the princes of God, are there in the center. The angels are ranked. You can find out reading Daniel's chapters 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12 that uh, Gabriel was hindered once in coming because the prince of Grecia and the prince of Persia held him up a couple of weeks. But he said, Michael, the archangel came and helped me. Then how long did it take? (laughs) Yeah, back to that stopwatch thing. Thank you, Lord, for creating all this and for telling us about it in the Bible. Amen. We want to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. He has created everything that is visible and invisible, and for Him they are and were created. Colossians 1.16 The differences. You know, angels are not like us. Let's get that over with very quickly. Look at Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews 2. And we've, we've referred to this one many times, especially as we come to the Lord's table to remember that our Lord and Savior, Jesus of Nazareth, took on Him a flesh and bone and blood body in order for Him to be a perfect substitute for us on the tree of Calvary. Hebrews 2, verse 14, For as much then as the children, these are the children of God, these are the brethren of Jesus that are mentioned in the previous three or four verses. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, that's you and me, we have flesh and blood bodies, He also Himself likewise took part of the same, that through death He might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily, this is a true fact about angels, for verily He, that is Jesus, took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham, wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted in a flesh and blood existence in this world, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Thank you, Lord. Angels are not like us. Angels are not pudgy little babies. Do you know how much Roman Catholicism has infected and affected the concept of angels? Angels are not pudgy little babies with wings, halos, pink skin, who play little horns. I'm telling you, when an angel blasts a trumpet, you won't be thinking of a pink little baby in a bathtub. It'll rattle your spleen and shake you to the ground and you'll fall on your face. When John heard a voice behind him that got louder and louder of the Son of God and the glory that was around him and the sound of many waters as angels worshiped Jesus Christ and the Lamb on, I mean, and God on the throne in the book of Revelation, it is a loud, overwhelming noise. Not these little things. Angels aren't effeminate little Hollywood actors either playing gentle and sheepish roles in dramas. Catholic and pagan theology and their art has infected and corrupted and perverted what we should think about angels. Jesus was made a little lower, but now He reigns over them all. And that's what Hebrews 1 and 2 are all about. Remember those wonderful words we read in Hebrews chapter 1 earlier this morning? But look at 2.9, since you're right there at chapter 2. 2.9, we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. That's why He had to be made a little lower but now crowned with glory and honor above the angels. Angels are entirely different from God. Let's make this point 
before we take our break. Angels are entirely different from God. They're entirely different from us. And yet they may represent God in word and deed in the things that they do. They are created spirits a little higher than man. They are not at all close to being I am that I am. They are I am what God made me. I am what God created. They may use the first person for God at times because they're representing Him. Did Jacob wrestle with a man? With an angel? Or with God? (laughs) Yes. With God, you are a prince and have power and have prevailed. This is so helpful. This is helpful to save you from getting confused. But what did he look like? A man. And what was he really? An angel. Because of Hosea chapter 12, verses 3 through 5. The angel was representing God in the form of a man. So it says he wrestled with a certain man in Genesis chapter 32. And yet it was God that blessed him. And yet Hosea says it was an angel. And so we put all those things together and it saves us a great deal of grief in understanding this subject. We reject so-called Christophanies. I remember the, I remember the email. It's not all gone yet. Every time there's an appearance of a man in the Old Testament called the angel of the Lord, and it appears that he's representing the Lord, some people think that that's Jesus Christ. And so they make a Christophany. Jesus Christ appearing in the Old Testament. We reject those because there was no Son of God or Jesus Christ with a human nature or Jesus of Nazareth with a human body in the Old Testament until His incarnation. And the confusion created by thinking that of any male appearance in the Old Testament is Jesus is terrible. And it'll get, it's going to get you all mixed up. And I'm going to take you apart with some of those verses about those angels because they are different from the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone will say, but Nebuchadnezzar saw the Son of God in the fiery furnace. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 25 says that the form of the fourth was like the Son of God. But Daniel 3.28 tells us it was an angel. And you know that the Son of God was still 450 or 500 years away until Mary gave birth to that little boy. And Gabriel said, That holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. We reject Jesus as the angel of the covenant. Look at Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1. Some of this is going to bore some of you, and I am sorry. But for those of you that like to hear a little bit more, please understand that I'm just going to scratch the surface of some of these heresies that you have to deal with if you read Bible commentaries about angels. First of all, if, you, if you're reading a commentary written by a Presbyterian or the Church of England, they're going to believe in eternal sonship, so you're going to have Jesus throughout the Old Testament. So you're messed up there. Look at Malachi 3.1 and they just go wild here because the Hebrew is more important to them than the English until they get in a verse where they can't figure out the Hebrew, then they change it. Like the age of Ahaziah. Malachi 3.1 Behold, I will send my messenger 
And he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord, whom ye seek, shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Because the Hebrew word for angel is underneath that second occurrence of the word messenger, they come up with this being called the messenger of the covenant that is Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. But when I read this text, if I were to grant them their position, which I don't, I can't see the word angel in this verse at all. All I can see is two occurrences of the word messenger. It's in the future tense. He shall come because he wasn't around yet. He's going to come. He's Jesus of Nazareth. John the Baptist is the first messenger. I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant. And Jesus came to the temple. Right. So they go off on a whole tangent about the angel of the covenant. You know, what covenant's under consideration here? Moses' covenant? Are you kidding me? This cup is the New Testament in my blood. It's the new covenant. The angel of the covenant. It doesn't say that. I trust my King James Bible and I will bet my life in this world and in the next world. And yes, I'm betting yours along with mine for this world and the next world from the word messenger. I don't see an angel in this verse. I see John the Baptist and I see the Lord Jesus Christ. They say that the angel of the Lord never appeared after Jesus was born. (laughs) Who let Peter out of prison in Acts chapter 12? Mm -hmm. The angel of the Lord. Who directed Philip to go down to the middle of the desert and find the eunuch? The angel of the Lord. I'm serious. Reading some of that, I'm reading some of that stuff is very disturbing that men get so far off on having to deal with the appearance of a man in the Old Testament. Those men are angels taking on human form, reminding us of how ignorant we are that they couldn't show us what they look like because they're spirits. They have to take on a human form. They took on a male form of a man. And so there's a man here and there's a man there. And Manoah and his wife called him the man of God because they took on that form only. It's not because Jesus had His human nature and a human body in the Old Testament. Don't be confused, my dear brethren. We reject that Michael the archangel is Jesus Christ for reasons that I've mentioned. It says He's an archangel. It says He's a chief of the prince of the angels. It says that He has to rebuke the devil. Jesus doesn't have to rebuke the devil with the words. Michael had to rebuke the devil by saying, The Lord rebuke thee. Jesus does not. Jesus just says, Get thee behind me, Satan. We reject the so-called theophany of the angel of the Lord. Look at 2 Samuel 24, 16. This particular line of reasoning goes, the angel of the Lord is Jehovah Himself. When you get the definite article, the, an angel of the Lord, then it's Jehovah Himself. Well, I beg to differ on a couple of grounds. First, He's called an angel. And if He's called an angel, then I believe... He's an angel. Second Samuel 24 and verse 16. I've got a whole string of these and you don't need a whole string. And when the angel stretched out his hand, so what do you think's doing this? Step out on the wild side with me. An angel. And when the angel stretched out his hand upon Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord repented him of the evil 
and said to the angel that destroyed the people, It is enough. Stay now thine hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing place of Arana the Jebusite. Is that, is that good enough for you? Or do you need another string of these? Similar and better than these. It's an angel. It's an angel. It's the angel of the Lord. Who told him to stay his hand? The Lord. Is he, ta- is he talking to himself? Or is he talking to the angel? Lord, thank you for having mercy upon us. Look at 1 Kings 19. Since you're not too far away there, 1 Kings 19, verse 5. This is Elijah under the juniper tree. 1 Kings 19, 5. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake, bacon on the coals, and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink, and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time. But in verse 5 he was called an angel. The angel of the Lord came again the second time, and touched him, and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee, and so forth. Uh, the angel that killed 185,000, one time he's called an angel in one passage. In another passage he's called the angel of the Lord. Look at Zechariah chapter 1. Toward the end of your Old Testaments, Zechariah chapter 1. I have had many questions over the years about who Jacob wrestled with, who was at the doorway, who came and visited Abraham sitting in the doorway of his tent. Why does it say he stood before the Lord and the Lord spoke to him because he was being represented by an angel? And if you read the whole Old Testament, look at all the occurrences, you shouldn't have a problem. Because the angels represent God, the angels speak on behalf of God. A number of times they will say, saith the Lord. And if it's the Lord as the angel of the Lord saying, saith the Lord, that is really ridiculous. But the angels are speaking on behalf of God. Yes, two angels went off toward Sodom. The angels of destruction that were going to rain fire and brimstone on that place. And the other one representing God told him about Sarah having Isaac. And also he was the one that he reasoned with about how many souls would be necessary to preserve the city of Sodom. Zechariah chapter 1, verse 12. Then the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts. I guess I don't need to read any longer, do I? Does that answer the question? We reject the angel of his presence as being God himself. Because Gabriel tells us that he's one of the angels that stand in the presence of God. So when we, when we read that about Gabriel and we read the angel of his presence, we realize that there are certain angels that bring the presence of God with them in a different way than other angels. And we just trust the word angel and we go on. Lord, help us to understand these things. You know, the relationship between an angel and God doing something, look at Job. Look at Job chapters 1 and 2. Job chapters 1 and 2. When, when you see, you know, Jacob wrestled with God. Jacob wrestled with a man. Jacob wrestled with an angel and all three are true. Now Satan, being the greatest of them, of the fallen angels, you should remember how he describes what happens to Job and how God describes what happens to Job. Who brought the afflictions into Job's life and into his body? God did. Whose hand was it? 
Satan's hand. Who else had their hand in it? The Lord. And they understand it because they can't do anything, not even a, a herd of swine, without God's permission. Job, Job 2, 4, And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin. Yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. Job 2, 4. But put forth thine hand now. This is God's hand. Put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. The hand of the devil and the hand of God are the same things in this respect that God is in absolute control of the devil's hand. And when he allows the devil to do something, it's just as if he had done it himself. And this is state, look at, look what God said in verse three of this chapter. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil, and still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause? God himself is admitting the fact that the negative events in Job's life are from me. You've pushed me to them. But even though Satan did it, it was the Lord. Verse 7 told us, So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot into his crown, and so forth. These are things that we want to remember so that when you find something like Genesis 18 with Abraham and those three men, or you find Jacob wrestling with a man, with an angel, with God, and situations like that, when you, when you find Moses at the burning bush, and it's called the angel of the Lord, and yet he says, my name is, I am that I am. It's the angel of the Lord representing and speaking on behalf of God to Moses. If you listen carefully this morning, when we had read to us Judges chapter 6 about Gideon, the Lord was still speaking to Gideon after the angel of the Lord went up into heaven. He was just there as a visible demonstration of the presence of God. May the Lord bless us as we consider these things. I don't want you to be confused and I don't want you to be led astray by heresies about Christophanies and Theophanies in the Old Testament. There are angels that have appeared to men from Genesis chapter 16 all the way to Revelation chapter 22. And when God wants to distinguish Himself or the Lord Jesus Christ wants to distinguish Himself from an angel, they will flat out tell you. Because in Revelation 22, John fell at the feet of an angel to worship him. We get, we'll close with this. I know I'm sorry. Revelation 22. This, this is sweet. I want, to, I want to share this with you as we finish. We're going to get two points out of it. The first point being, when, when the Lord wants to distinguish himself from an angel, he will flat out tell you that, that an, an angel will admit, I, do not, I should not be worshipped. Worship God. He'll just flat out tell you. If the worship is being directed toward that angel, he'll say, worship God. On the other hand, I want you to see how this angel describes his relationship to John. Revelation 22, verse 8, And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not. For I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. But look what he says. I am thy fellow servant. I have a similar ministry to yours. I reveal the will of God. 
and of thy brethren the prophets, and then he gets all the way down to us, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. I'm like a brother and a friend to you. I'm close to the same level with you. Don't worship me. Worship God. Amen. And it's good to see that an angel will tell us not to worship him, but to worship God, but at the same time admit, I'm very close to you and the prophets and all those that keep the commandments of God. I'm at your level. Get your eyes up and worship God. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.